Welcome to this episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking with Sabrina Rumbeck, known as the Peak Performance Queen. Sabrina is like the Energizer Bunny that is passionate about helping people keep a balanced life, whether that's for career, health, family, and staying balanced is so important right now, you know, now more than ever. And although Sabrina's primary focus is working with high achievers in the healthcare industry, I think her work can be translated to any stressful job. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Well, I want to welcome you to the show. I'm so excited to have you have you on the show for multiple multiple reasons you know first and foremost before we get into you know a lot of the stuff that you do you know you're in the healthcare industry uh you know we're in the midst of this damn coronavirus and you're on the front line and you're still going in several days a week and and working in the front line so one i truly appreciate the stuff that you guys are doing and the stuff that you're doing i i truly truly appreciate that and how has this really changed your life from the healthcare industry, you know, from, from that side of your life, you know, how has this changed what you do, how you do? Uh, I'm sure this has been exhausting for, for everybody that you work for, uh, and work with, uh, in, in the field. Right. I think for sure, there's a lot of changes. The basic principle doesn't change, right? Our value doesn't change. Um, what's changing is the way that we deliver care. So when we decided to uh, minimize exposure, we have cut down all the elective cases for all surgical interventions. Uh, us in cardiac, most of our cases are urgent. They're not elective. But that being said, we're also being selective about um, who we are, uh, how we're going to serve other people. And um, uh, as some other hospital where I just go in just for periodic support, where that many staff has been exposed. So they have to be home for that uh, minimum two weeks if you have symptoms. And for people who are confirmed that you did test positive for coronavirus, uh, stat has been shown that you can be shedding, means like spreading the disease from anywhere from 21 days to 37 days, right? So there's definitely a a scare on how long do you really need to stay home so you don't spread it to your coworkers. and for the rest of us who are running around the whole hospital, because we still have to take care of the critical patient in different areas, then it's also, oh, do we test this person? Uh, if, if you're not sure, gunned up, right? Like head to toe. Right. And some hospitals are really good about having these uh, for respiratory therapists and uh, anesthesia. Who, d- who do the intubation and take care of the breathing, right? Where it, if you air cell, they cough and the whole entire room is really exposed, where they do have these um, almost like a bees hat, right? Like completely covered <laughs> with a vent setting on them. So you do have this protection. But at the same time, the N95 masks are short in majority of the hospital 
hospital, um, some places you get one per week, some get one per day, right? It just, right. It, it's, it's tough in that way. Right. Yes. Um, and the last point I want to make is they're still going to have a lot of patients who are chronically ill and has nothing to do with coronavirus, but we almost feel like we have put them on a back burner because yeah. we're so focused on the virus itself. Right. Yeah. And the, on the P90, like, so like I've been looking for masks and I've got, I've seen P95 and N95. I have no idea what the difference is. I'm just going to, actually, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to order like a bubble from Amazon, just have a bubble delivered and just, <laughs> just live in a bubble from here on out. Cause I, I don't know which way's up or down anymore. <laughs> P95, N95. I just don't know. But I, so, oh God, 25, 30 years ago, I used to work in a hospital and I think part of, you know, you guys are exposed every day to all of these things. And I think you either, I think people in the healthcare industry either build up an immunity more than most people do, or I think there's a belief that they're not afraid of catching, and again, outside of the coronavirus, but in general, they're not, healthcare, uh, healthcare professionals are not necessarily afraid of being sick or getting the flu. They I think part of it is fear driven that, that sometimes we get, we get sick as we're fearful of it and then we get it. But it seems like healthcare industry people tend to be sick and tend to get things less than other people. Yet you're constantly in a hospital, you're constantly in, you know, in, in areas where, you know, diseases and, and viruses and bacteria and everything lives. So. I think that's a really good point that you brought up. I, at the end of the day, no matter what type of profession you're in, if you're in a high stress situation, you need to do, you need to have a better mindset to handle that. Right. And even without coronavirus, we know the statistics have shown that healthcare professional burned out 200% higher, right? With the suicide ideation, 24% um, higher with alcohol, drug abuse. Well, that being said, it's some people are doesn't have the mindset of how do you better take care of yourself in order to give the best of you, not what's left of you. And that's one right. of the key components in my system of say no to stress and say yes to stamina is that if you don't know how to say no to putting self-care last, then you are not allowing your own physical and mental battery to recharge. Right. And you're just going to keep give thinking that we were put into this position to only serve others. And that's when people forget to put oxygen masks on themselves, right? And then they just keep going. And um, I'm actually hosting a free uh, mastermind workshop for uh, the staff in my hospital tomorrow. And majority of the question that I got from my pre-survey are on not enough time, not uh, feeling Corona lockdown, um, having stress doing telemedicine, um, having low spirit, right? Uh, and the biggest, most common thing is how do you balance work and life? And I really do not believe in creating work-life balance. It's really a harmony cycle right. that people need to create. It's that when you talk about peak performance, studies right in, in athletes in the c a c level executive in anybody like yeah. us who wanted to create their business or uh, lawyers medical people 
you want it to be a peak performer actually means you're able to elevate, create that harmony in every single aspects of life. Right. And if we're only focusing on that one side of just driven by money, freedom, or just driven by career, a name or title behind our name, or just driven by I'm only going to take care of my family, then you're lacking so many other pieces of you right. and eventually you're going to feel dissatisfied. And that dissatisfaction is what leads to burnout. Right. So how does how does lacking in, let's say you're not as healthy as you should be or not as healthy as you want to be, how do you think that affects? So if you're, you know, if, if you have a wheel of life or you have a wheel and you're not, you're not as healthy as you want to be, how do you think that affects you in your relationships, in your finances, your career? You know, I th again, like you said, I think it's a harmony and, and I think they all tie, tie to each other. Yeah, exactly. They are intertwined and they're so interdependent. Right? For example, my story, right? For 10 years ago, when I did my thesis on public health was on self-care, self-efficacy and health literacy. What I found was, you know, doesn't matter what level of health literacy you have. It matters more of higher your self-efficacy means you're believe your confidence in your ability to do something and that elevates our ability to take care of ourselves in this five different measures that I conducted and fast forward you know common practice common knowledge doesn't mean common practice so what I was going in hardcore as a new grad just wanted to be a sponge do everything right but I got myself into a position where I was working more than 80 hours a week, taking calls pretty much every day. And there was one month I was in the hospital 29 days straight. I mean, I didn't sleep there, but I had to go in. So that was the point where I start getting sick a lot, become more cynical, right? And what I didn't realize that was burning out. But to many of us, that was just come with a job, right? right? And if you ask help, then become a sign of weakness because we never were taught in medicine, how do we perceive our own body, our, our delivery system, because we care about integrity, excellence, right. advocacy for our patients. But how many of us are actually doing the same thing for ourselves or even just our coworker? Right. Where did, where, how do you think that comes about? I mean, wh what are you doing to get the, the burnout? I mean, it's to me, and it, it's in any, you know, really any industry in any, any fashion, but when you get burnt out, I mean, to me, that, that truly affects your health. I mean, that's without a doubt. I mean, that, that affects how you sleep, that, that affects your, you know, it gets into the, you know, to me, when you get stressed out at work like that, it's almost like getting into the fight or flight mode where your body doesn't it's not acting the same as when you're not stressed, you know, you're, you're not, right. yeah, you're not digesting the food, right. You're not, you know, your, uh, immune system's not working correct. Things aren't working correct when you're stressed and when you're in that fight or flight mode. Exactly. Because we know study has shown stress cause decrease on focus 
Um, therefore, we're going to take a longer time to do a same task. Stress causes immune response that can trigger all these other diseases, right? Um, just like when we don't sleep, you decrease the immunity, and therefore you, you, your body is in a lower state to be able to fight off these viruses, the bacteria out in the world. So people tend to have these like um, cough and cold symptoms like lingering for weeks or months, right? Right. And um, um, and then mentally you start having brain fogs. And if you have constant brain fog or like big fluctuation of energy, how can you keep yourself consistent in the way that you want to show up, right. in the way that you want to deliver yourself, in a way that you want to make sure you have quality of care, not just like the leftover reserve of my little thin stretch ourselves and I just wanted to push forward a little bit just to get it done and you're no longer actually in a caring way to deliver a quality uh, right. treatment plan or whatnot. So what are some of the things that you that you teach and you talk with people on how to get out of that stress mode and how you get back into a more well-balanced you know lifestyle and, and well-balanced being? I have three steps. And they all revolve around the thing of saying no to almost everything. Then you can say heck yes to the only things that truly matter. Because boundary is such a big issue among all of us. As high performers, that it's actually our self-sabotager telling ourselves, you're not good enough until you hit this one mark. Right. And if we keep thriving for this mark, then you have this rush of joy once you achieve that level, but it's really short-term lift. And your identity is totally tied to that one mark. And once you hit it, then you start getting bored and you start finding out something else because that restlessness in us. Right. And therefore, the number one step is to say no to vagueness. Then we can dream big and achieve more. Right. Yeah, I, I have a thing that, uh, that I always... Uh, try to talk with my people on and something I had to do is I had to stop creating to-do lists and, and seriously start creating do not do lists. I had to sit down to do a list. Do not do, do not do. And, and, and stop saying yes to uh, many things. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we got ourselves looped into all these yeses or don't know how to say no to other people thinking we got this right like i have the ability then of course i'm gonna do it but if it's not aligned to our value that's when we become resentful that's when we start breaking promises with our family friends or your clients your right. colleagues right and couldn't deliver these high quality results so at the first thing i always t ask people what's the purpose of this new project? What's the purpose of getting this additional degree? What's the purpose for even just get up this morning? Right. Right. What are your values? To, if we don't show up every day that matches who we want to be, where our value lies, the discongruency is where we're going to feel lack of confidence. And that lack of confidence decreases our competency level. And that also decreases our ability just to do. Right. What else do you do you do to, you know, to combat all this stress? Yeah. So number two is to say no to negative thoughts. Then we can reclaim our mental power. 
the concept is I'm positive I can add it to generates the power and skills needed to overcome all these roadblocks in life. And so many of us are in that controlling mode. If I know all the possibilities of this outcome, then I make that decision to do, but then you hold yourself back into this cocoon of then everything is so fearful. Instead, to get rid of all these negativity is actually to build your positive intelligence. So I'm um, I'm training by Dr. Shiraz from Stanford. He studies with big high performers. Um, we need to reprogramming our neural connectivity. So then we can build up the neural bank account of positivity in our self in empathy in grace in allowing yourself forgiving yourself because when we were born we were born pure we're born happy satisfied as a baby yes it was simple because there's no parents no external society teacher or anybody else put us in a box of how to think we're allowed to think for ourselves you know, how can we, so if we've been conditioned at a young age, you know, and, and lots of people, you know, the things that they watch, the things that their parents did, the things that their communities did, the things that they were taught, their languages, everything is, you know, kind of learned in that first seven years of, of existence. And if we are that way, you know, what are, what do you think are some of the ways that we can get rid of some of the negative and replace that with the positive thoughts and the positive mindsets? Awesome. So one of the exercise we can do, I actually can only take two minutes. So you will close your eyes at a place where you can center, no noise. And even there are noises, just let them pass. Any thoughts come to you, let them pass you, right? Take a few deep central channel breathing, close your eyes. And then imagine a moment that you were most happy at your childhood. And that could be difficult for some people because we all walk through different paths in life. But just find that one moment, can almost like picture it as something that you capture. What did you dress at that time? Did you smile? What do your cheek look like? What, how was your hair? What environment were you in? Imagine everything about that moment like you were living in that moment of childhood. Why are you so happy? Did you remember an episode that related to that moment in time? And then you come from a third person perspective. If you are that, now you're grown up, how do you want to talk to this child of you at a young age? What would you tell him or her at that time? And if you can think about the purity, the joy, can you bring that feeling back to your current life? And how good it would it be for you to think about that joyful moment on a daily basis? So when this exercise is bring out that joy from where we did not go through all the hardship, but think about what 
greatness, the empathetic, right? Just like you would teach your own child per se. If you can enjoy those moments more, how much more can you do? And most people, I don't think everyone understands, or they, I, I don't think they are aware of how hard we are on ourselves from a negative standpoint. And if we actually sat back and looked at how hard we are on ourselves, we would never talk that way to our friends, to our kids, to the people around us. But yet, we have no problem talking that way to ourselves at all. Exactly. Exactly. Because judgment is the biggest sabotager in our life. And we uh, judge ourselves thinking if we are hard on ourselves, then we can push ourselves a little harder. Right. But because we do that, we put ourselves into such a high standard, right? The perfectionism start coming in. But when you do that, you also start judging everybody else, thinking if you can do it, why not? the other person, right. but we all have different talents and different inner ability that come through us so simple, but other people couldn't do, right? And that's the sparkle we need to find within us, but yes. now allow us to push ourselves or judge ourselves for something that we couldn't do or for some other people's right. um, not matching what we expected. Right. And that's, to me, that is so hard for so many people to see what they're superpower is to see what their gift is to see it it's much easier for us to see what other people's gifts are than than our own and that's one of the hardest things to do is is to actually sit back and see what our gifts are you know there's things that people you know it's like I talk to my wife and she's she is so she can go talk with people and she has this gift to be able to connect and talk and for her she thinks oh that's just natural that's you know it's it's not a gift it's nothing I can't do that stuff that she does. I, I just can't. I mean, it's, it's just not in me. So it's, and, and people don't realize or they don't see when they have these gifts. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's hard to, it's, sometimes it's hard to define what your gift is. Yeah. Right. And it, it takes some work and definitely it will be easier when I work with people. The first couple sessions are just truly defining them, who they are, how they want to show up, what is their, their zone. Right. right. Uh, where where that passion coming from and what is that passion for most of us? We're not giving us ourselves grace enough just to have a date with our own and right. figure this stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what so for me to do that, I think meditation is something that's great that not a lot of people do. And, and I didn't do it for a long time and I'm not the best person at, at doing meditation and stuff. But to me. When we meditate, you know, that's kind of when the universe is speaking back to us. And that's to me, if, if you ask, you know, what your powers and stuff to me, meditation in that quiet time, that, that sitting with the no sound, the no, you know, no lights or as little as possible and just kind of letting go of your thoughts to me, that's, that's when, when I can come up with the things that I'm good at, the things, you know, those are the things that, you know, the things that come to my mind, the ideas at that time, you know, to me, that's what the universe is giving back to us. Uh, if we're listening, you know, you got to listen. Exactly. You, you, you got to have that time intentionally planned with yourself. So then you can come up with all these brilliant ideas that's inside of you. But if you put in blockers and not giving yourself this room to grow, to expand, then of course they won't come to you. So that tie into my third 
uh, step is to say no to putting self-care last because without the right energy, productivity would not go far. Right. So before I can show people how to really be productive means spending less time and get more out of your day, we needed to be able to rebuild and reboot our stamina constantly. Then we won't have those afternoon slump where you just finish whatever you are doing at work. Then you're so drained, you can't even do things that you enjoy. Right, right. Right. And that's also intentional. It's not the simple concept of, oh, I go to the gym. Of course, it's hard now, but people can still do the home exercise. Or people said uh, they go hang out with friends where they take vacation. If you wait until a moment of doing the relaxation, that's already too late. Right. You should intentionally plan these out because you enjoy doing them, not as like a uh, a, a exercise to release right. uh, whatever you're troubling with. So what I show people are these two minutes exercise that can use all your five senses. So you are can be in a very distracting room and then you can still just reset and refocus because when we can shut down our mental chatter, all this negativity, all these crazy thoughts that come to us, now we can truly realign and right. reboot that energy and to go further. Right. And I think, you know, so I remember, oh, it's been, got at least 15, maybe not 12, 12, 15 years. Uh, I used to be close to 300 pounds and I've lost, you know, over a hundred pounds. But what was funny is back then I couldn't do anything and I was always tired. I mean, I, I wouldn't do much. You know, I didn't do much, you know, obviously any exercise. To me, you don't get the energy to do something like to go exercise or to meditate or to do anything until you do it. You have to, to me, you have to do it to then get the energy to do it. If, yep. if you, if you wait to get the energy to do it, <laughs> you'll, you'll never do it. You know, that's, right. yeah. And it's funny is the, the more you do of a particular thing, the more energy you have towards doing it more. And it's, right. it's, it's backwards to what you would think on on how to do it but yeah that's, that's how it is you know you, you've got to do it before you get the energy to do it right and the the way i uh teaching is you don't have to spend that long right because typically people think oh it's half hour in the gym or you have to meditate for 20 minutes no it's the short burst of sessions and you have to be very intentional which means set alarm for it Right. Because if it's a new habit that you're trying to create, you have to have a trigger so you can remind yourself to do that habit or attach to an existing habit. If you always have your morning coffee at this time after you wake up, whatnot, and that might be the time that you will do one of these exercises just to get you kick off on a good note in the morning. And then maybe it's doing your lunch hour some of us don't even get lunch, right? You're trying to run in between things, but maybe that is the moment that you allow yourself be conscious, be uh, considerate about your body right. just to do that quick reset and then drink water, eat lunch, and then move to the next task. Right. Now, one of the things that I'm going to put in the, you know, in the show notes for the, for the listeners is you have a hidden roadblocks quiz. What, what is that hidden road roadblocks quiz? Yes. I believe that for us to be peak performance and have a life full of heck yeses, 
then we need to be intentional about our life and be able to elevate in all aspects. That means knowing your strength and weakness. So this three minute quiz will break that down and show you and uh, evaluate what are these areas that you might not have paid attention to. And then how do we go about looking at these areas to elevate them? And I actually personally go in, do a graphic analysis of the result and then send people a voice memo on LinkedIn or Instagram um, to explain the result. So what, when you're talking about creating these habits and stuff, how long did it take you to create a habit? I know it's different for people, but when you start something, you know, how long do you normally do it before it becomes second nature? So there are many studies saying I can be at least two weeks versus four months, right? And I think all of us are human. If we are off our tracker, forgive ourselves, get right back on it, right? We all do it. And I know when I have my morning routine very set, I feel great. And when I'm off for a day or two, if it's weekend, you kind of just want to sleep in, right? Like we, we can all do that. But then you don't feel the same way. Right. And you don't feel like your day is like filled, right? right? And it's okay. And you just get back on it the next day. So the more you do it, the more it becomes a subconscious activity instead of consciously thinking about this trigger. So in the beginning, we do have to set up triggers by right. either alarm or by some kind of uh, object to remind us, right? If you like journal, maybe that journal is right next to your bed. And if you like to do a morning flow of yoga uh, right when you get up, maybe just lay your mat out so you see it and it triggers you to do it. I ha now I have to have those visual triggers. If stuff gets put, I have vitamins I take every morning. That's a, just a normal mold. If it's seriously, if it's not out on the counter, I don't take it. It's like, <laughs> I've got to have that mental, that mental thing. See, I'm, I'm actually on like the five-year program where it takes me like five years to get into an actual habit. It doesn't, <laughs> it's not the two weeks. <laughs> it takes me a good couple of years to actually get in, get into, uh, get into the habit of, of doing something. Right. Now, getting back into, uh, some of the stuff that you're doing, I, I'm just so curious on, on your industry is how do you see telemedicine in the future? Like with all that's going on, do you think it's going to change what you do? Like, do you think telemedicine is going to get much more prevalent or do you think it's going to get, it could get much more stress, uh, stressful for you guys to, to deal with the, I mean, now it's like you're working, you know, to me, it looks like you're working on eggshells. You don't know, you know, it's, you've got to be so much more careful than you have been. Boy, it seems like it's even more and more stressful and it's not getting easier. And it's going to, even, even with telemedicine, it's, to me, it's going to get, it's going to get harder. I think right now, because the pandemic hit us so quickly, there's not enough a learning curve for people to hop on telemedicine. That's why there's so much stress because you are forcing people to change within a week, right? right? And there are also many studies have shown in ER or critical care unit where you do have telemedicine. These doctors are somewhere super remote and you have all the monitors they can see, you do have on-site staff, but they can be in Australia to cover the night 
time, right? right. And and or is a, a different continent doesn't matter. But the point is, there are per program very regimen is set up established. Of course, it took them a long time to get to that right. fluid. Uh, functionality, right? right? It's not like now we kind of all forcing ourselves to learn the technology of whether if people never use Zoom or Skype conference, then yes, there's hard for them to learn that. Right. For I'm in Toastmaster for uh, people who wanted to be speakers and practice. Even our member now, it used to be all in person. Now I'm running all my meetings virtually, and I'm also offering to teach other chapters how to do that as well. So it's all learning curve. I think eventually we'll be more comfortable to do these uh, telemedicine work, right? Even uh, many nutritionists, uh, functional medicine doctor, they start to do phone calls and now video is just give you more of a feeling that you're talking to a real person. Right. You can see their body language. It does seem to be nicer if people couldn't travel. Right, right. So how do you like Toastmasters? Now, now for the people listening that aren't in Toastmasters, I'm going to give a little critique. I've counted zero ums. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So, and if those in Toastmasters understand what I just did. <laughs> zero, zero ums. <laughs> I actually did. So when I was in Toastmasters, I actually did one of my uh, speeches. The, the the title of it was um. So I could see they couldn't get me for saying um. That was part of was part of the speech. <laughs> <laughs> what what passion drove you to kind of pivot from just being in the healthcare to helping people? you know, with the stress, with the, you know, with the burnouts, with the, what, what drove you to, to do that? It was four years ago when I really burned out myself, where I was having a fever, a one-on-one degrees, still operating. And my nurse had to take pity and passing Dayquil and cough drop under my mask to keep me going. When I called in sick the next day, my manager made me feel like I was inconveniencing him for calling out. So fast forward a few weeks, I treat a young man who required his fourth open heart surgery because he had failed to report new symptoms thinking they were small and insignificant. And that's the moment that I realized I was doing that myself. Right. Keep putting away these things that are small and insignificant. But if I keep ignoring these issues, then I might become a patient as well. Right. So then I went back to my background in neuroscience and public health and learning from all these other psychologists, peak performers to turn my life around, to accept that I had a life that was great from the outside, a good reputable job, good earning, great apartment in Midtown, um, very considerate uh, boyfriend at the time. I had everything, but I wasn't satisfied. And I was working and the way that I was living was sucking the life out of me. Right. So I felt that many young, ambitious professionals are working in areas that they're passionate about as well, just like me, but share similar struggles of feeling underappreciated, overworked, overwhelmed, and being misunderstood, especially the millennials generation. So that's why I pivoted 
I wanted to be the person who changed the movement of how we're showing up, how we're being seen, how we're treating ourselves, especially in healthcare, and start doing more speaking just to be known, just to get that message across and also host my own events so people can come together to support each other. Right. Now, do you think, you know, after you, you know, saying that, do you think they're, you know, your manager that got, you know, was upset that you called in sick? Do you think that there is a lack of leadership within, within that industry, within the healthcare industry? I mean, I, I see it in corporate America where people are, are brought into management levels, not because of necessarily, they're good at a skill, they're good at a, at a thing, but they're not necessarily good people managers and, and dealing with people. And I'm just curious, I mean, is that, do you think there's a leadership element of, of healthcare? Because again, you have, to me, the healthcare, you're a bunch of, there's a bunch of high performers. Right. If you think about in healthcare, there's 80% of women, but only barely one in six are in leadership level. And I, I'm talking about high level, C-level, executive, right. or dean of school. And there are plenty of nurses they represent a lot better. They're in manager positions, whatnot. But when you become any type of leader, it doesn't matter if you have a title or not. A key thing is being example, set the good example for people and better communication. Right. And how you communicate people to be a talent magnet instead of repeller, that's right. very different, yes. right? So when we intentionally want to train these people and that has to be reciprocal means I, in the sense of trained to be a leader, it's actually just personal development. Yeah. How do you be the best person to magnify everyone around you and not just managing? Right. Uh, absolutely. I mean, to me, you, you cannot you can't manage higher than you are, if that makes sense. If you're, you know, if your lid is, you know, at a three, you're, you're not going to be able to manage over, over a three. And I, oh, that's, that's very interesting in the healthcare industry as well. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Cause I saw that when I was in the healthcare industry and it was, you know, working in the hospitals, it was, it was a different, uh, there's a, you know, it, it takes a certain type of individual to be in that, be in that industry. It, it really does. It, uh, uh, you've got to be a strong, strong person to persevere and to, to do that and make it through there. Right. Yeah. Like have, have the ability to, uh, not only communicate, but also receive criticism. Right. And then, uh, and then don't take so much things to heart, but do evaluate in a proper situation to give feedback. And it's good that you're doing these, these webinars and these seminars within, within your, uh, you know, within your hospital, where, where you know where you, where you're at, uh, are, are people taking that in well? I mean, is it well received, or do you have people on the sideline that are kind of? I think that you're gonna get that everywhere. Um, doing, I'm doing now virtually, so I open up to all healthcare professional, and um, there are going to be people who think it's too much extra, and then my response is, that's okay if it's not something you see value. That's totally up to you. But there are going to be plenty of people that cherish this because right. no one has done it. Or if people have done it, it also matters in the way that I present myself, right? right. 
And, and so at the end of the day, I only wanted to attract the people that align with me. And that's, that's all it matters. If I have the impact to transform someone's life, that's awesome. And all the naysayers can just keep their gift to themselves. That's right. <laughs> well, I, I, I absolutely applaud you for doing what you're doing because when you try to step out and better the people around you, help the people around you, you know, you are going above and beyond really what you, what you do there. And that, to me, that I applaud that. That is, that is absolutely, you know, fantastic. And I assume you do this throughout the country or throughout the world, not just within, you know, the, uh, the facility that you're at. Right. So I got on as many podcasts as I can, especially related to uh, personal development, uh, overcoming stress, productivity, leadership. And I also host my own event now, turn into a virtual challenge, right? right. <laughs> now we couldn't do physical, right. but I do have partnership with other physicians where we are still going to offer the uh, retreat mastermind at the end of the year when all this going to resolve uh, coronavirus. And at the same time, um, knowing locally we're so needed. So being on stages, I was, uh, invited to some of the medical conferences and yes they're later on the year so i think we're still gonna be able to provide value to these healthcare professionals so the the more that we can spread the message and the way that we care for ourselves the better it is right, right? right. at it uh, just like when we're talking about habit building it needs to be a carried out with consistency. Right. You know, and, I, and I've looked at your stuff and, and I think it goes to many more industries than just healthcare. I know you're, you know, you, you were kind of geared towards the healthcare industry, but I think the stuff that you're doing is fantastic stuff, no matter what industry, because you have the same stresses really in no matter what industry you're in. I know there's, you know, special things within healthcare, but the stuff that you're doing, you can translate that to many, many different areas. Right. I want to thank you so much for being, you know, being on the show today. You know, I, I say this on a lot of the podcasts, but one of the best things about doing a podcast is being able to connect with like-minded people, being able to connect with people that are trying to grow. They're trying to better themselves, uh, trying to, you know, better the world. So I get so much out of doing these. And, and again, I want to Thank you so much for your time and especially what you're doing out there. I mean, that's again, with the times we're in, that's not the best place to be right now. I mean, from a, it's just, just not, I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're having to deal with a lot more stuff than, than you should, than, than you should have to. So again, we appreciate your, your time and uh, doing what you're doing. Everybody go, uh, go and visit again. It's going to be in the, in the show notes, but Sabrina, uh, uh, she's got a hidden roadblock, uh, quiz up there. Go visit her site. Thanks, John. Thanks everyone from listening. Again, you can reach Sabrina at Sabrina Go visit her site and thinking big tribe. We are very close to our next milestone and I need your help to reach more people who can benefit from this content, especially during these difficult times. You know, ratings and reviews directly impact the search rankings for this podcast. So please 
help me out and go and do reviews and ratings on this podcast. You know, if you haven't already subscribed and rated the podcast, please go to the link uh, in the show notes. And thank you so much for helping me reach more people worldwide and empowering them to start thinking bigger.